Kathy Renna is Communications Director for the National LGBTQ Task Force, and she's here to talk about their upcoming Creative Change Conference and give us her spin on our LGBTQ issues. Hi, Kathy. Hi, good to be back. First of all, give us a little background about the National LGBTQ Task Force and how you got involved. Sure. Um, the Task Force is one of our legacy queer advocacy organizations. We were founded in 1973, and we're the progressive voice in the queer movement and the queer voice in the progressive movement. So we are very intersectional in our approach. So we're not, in some ways, a typical gay, quote-unquote, gay rights organization. We work around all kinds of issues, you know, everything from immigration to housing to the census to uh, you know, getting out the vote, always through the lens of, you know, not just our sexual orientation or gender identity, but also race, ethnicity, ability, economic status, and, and all of the other things that make us who we are. So I have been working alongside, collaborating, contracting uh, with the National LGBTQ Task Force uh, my entire career. So for 30 years, um, my very first media training was at Creating Change as a very young, new activist. Uh, and during COVID in 2020, I was working on the Queer the Census campaign. And, you know, we all went into lockdown. We had to completely pivot the way we were going to do that important work. And what happened over the course of the year was uh, I became the interim communications director and then became the communications director when I learned that Kira Johnson would be taking over as executive director. Um, she's an extraordinary visionary leader. She's the first black woman to run the task force and, you know, happening in the middle of COVID and everything, it just felt like the right thing to do at the right time for our movement, for myself, and to also, you know, have the opportunity to really support Kira in her leadership. Tell us about this year's Creating Change Conference in New Orleans. Sure. We are so thrilled to be going to New Orleans January 17th through 21st, 2024, you know, we were supposed to be in New Orleans in 2021. It got canceled because of COVID, and we did a virtual conference. So we're thrilled, and frankly, the city is very happy that we're coming in person. The Creating Change Conference is an incredibly unique space. Uh, for me, it's more than a conference. It's really an experience. You know, we create this incredible world for four or five days uh, for queer advocates, thousands of queer advocates from across the country to come together to learn, to network, to connect, to plan, to strategize, but also to gather in, um, really in celebration and recharge. The fact that it's in January has always been really important to me because it energizes me really for the coming year, and boy, we've got a, a big year this year. The theme of the conference this year is queer power, queer action, queer joy. Those three things are all incredibly important for us all the time, but they're, I think, particularly important right now, uh, given the fact that we as a community are under such historically hostile attack uh, on all fronts, with, you know, state, local, federal, uh, in classrooms, in the streets, uh, in state houses, in Congress. And so um, I think this year's Korean Change Conference is going to be a very powerful one and a very important one as we enter the election year. What events and uh, workshops do you have planned? Well, Creating Change has always been very centered on our plenary, and we have several this year. Of course, Kira does the State of the Movement, kind of our queer version of the State of the Union. Um, we're also going to have a trans-focused plenary with trans advocates who are not necessarily working in specifically trans spaces, but across movements, so reproductive rights, climate change, 
I think that's going to be a very exciting one. And uh, Mariah Moore, who is a local trans activist who has a national reputation, uh, she is with House of Tulip. Uh, she'll be moderating that plenary. I'm really excited about that. We also are going to have a plenary focused on democracy, fascism, and uh, getting out the vote in 2024, which will be critical. Kier is going to moderate that, and we'll have Scott Nakagawa from the 21st Century Initiative and, and others to talk about the importance of organizing and how we can combat what's going to be thrown at us next year during the not just the presidential election, but all of the state and local elections that are happening that are so vitally important. Our opening plenary, though, is very powerful. We really focus on indigenous communities, and it's an opportunity to also recognize people in our community who are doing great work. We give out several awards during the plenaries, Indigenous Leadership Award. We partner with SAGE, the LGBTQ Senior Advocacy Organization. We have a Faith Award, Immigration. It's a Leather Leadership Award. Uh, I think it's really important, again, it's that joy piece, right? Joy, recognition, um, and honoring folks that we, you know, know have been doing great work in the movement, whether it's been for a very long time or for not as long time, but very impactful in terms of especially younger people joining the movement and making a difference. In terms of the workshops, there are over 100 workshops. We had a tough time this year. We had over 500 proposals for workshops. It was really hard to pull out um, the best of the best because they were all great, but we really wanted to try and focus on you know issues that we've either not had workshops on prior or that are incredibly pertinent to what's going on right now. So whether we're talking about you know queer inclusive curriculum, book bans, uh, other kinds of advocacy that's happening at the state and local level, fundraising, uh, you know infrastructure, and then of course all of the specific caucuses and institutes that we have uh, that are identity based. So whether it's uh, the Latinx Institute or the Black Institute, it's really important that we create safe spaces for parts of our community that are often more marginalized. And creating change is the place where, you know, folks can come together and network and plan and learn from each other. And it's, it's a really important piece of the programming. Again, tied to that joy piece, as I like to say, you know, we work hard all day, but we get on the dance floor at night. And so we've got a bunch of great events planned in the evening for folks. Uh, the highlight will be, as always, our house ball, um, which is going to be a masquerade this year because we're in New Orleans. And we're super excited to welcome Jason Rodriguez, who's on the cast of Pose. He's going to be doing a workshop on the history of Vogue as well as a class on the elements of Vogue. And then he's going to be a judge at the house ball, which is awesome. Um, and our closing plenary will end it all with a performance by... Big Frida, can't go to New Orleans and not have Big Frida be part of the mix. And we're also doing something, I think, really powerful uh, and very appropriate for New Orleans, which is when we do our In Memoriam, where we recognize folks that we have lost in the last year, we are going to have a second line, which is a traditional musical accompaniment, at often at funerals, sort of in celebration of the life of the person who's passed. Uh, and we are absolutely thrilled to be welcoming the Panette, the only all-women very queer, second-line band in New Orleans. What do you hope to accomplish at this year's conference? You know, the goals of creating change are, they're many. You know, again, the, the task force has always been what I would call a convening organization. We bring people together. And that, to me, is the biggest goal is to bring so many people from all the diverse parts of our community doing the work um, or wanting to do more 
together at, in the conference space. We usually have 2,500 to 3,000 people. It's a large group. And what we accomplish is, like I said, we create this wonderful space for four or five days where folks get out of it what they need, really. You know, our goal is to bring everyone together and have amazing programming and workshops and speakers and really inspire folks in doing the work for the rest of the year. But, you know, folks come with very specific goals in mind. You know, they want to network. They want to meet more people who are doing similar work to theirs and learn from them. What works, what doesn't. And also just be in community. It's This has been a really hard few years. I mean, since you-know-who was in office, uh, it's been really hard. And the level of attacks that we're facing are myriad, our, our trans use are just under attack. I know families that have had to move because of laws that are passing all over the country that are taking away affirming health care, book bans, etc. Um, and so the opportunity for us to come together and re-energize and connect and know we're not alone uh, in doing this work and in dealing with this climate that we're living in right now, I think is really important. How do you see our LGBTQ community moving forward in 2024 with over 600 anti-LGBTQ bills in states across the country, as you mentioned? We got women's rights continuing to be on the chopping block. Anti-Semitism and hate crimes are on the rise, all as we head towards the presidential election. So what's your spin on all this? Well, look, I mean, the reality is that we need to get more organized than we've ever been. We need to focus on the elections more than we ever have. And we also need to take care of ourselves. As someone who's been doing this a very long time, I can attest that, like, if you're not in community and you're not, you know, you don't have balance in your life and you're not taking care of yourself, it can be really, really tough work. And so, you know, what I think we need to do is really come together, even if we have some differences, and fight the larger issues. You know, the task force has been front and center in fighting for reproductive justice for the queer community for decades. In the last three years, though, I feel like we've really uh, had an opportunity to help the larger queer community understand why reproductive rights are queer rights, right? I mean, that intersection of that issue and how it impacts trans people and transforming care and, and how it affects, you know, such a diverse swath of folks in our community, especially after Roe v. Wade was overturned, was really, really important. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the rise in hate crimes, and, you know, hate crimes ranging from, you know, obviously attacks in the streets to specifically targeting our community, and it is incredibly damaging to folks. So, you know, the, the elections, I think, need to be really, in many ways, our primary focus, because if we do not fight back against the stuff happening in state houses, and if we don't elect someone next year to the Oval Office that is going to uh, be supportive, we're in trouble. This is not just about LGBTQ rights. It's about our democracy, period. I mean, that's why we're doing that last plenary, to really talk about the fascism and the, the othering of so many people in this country that we have not seen for a long time. And the possibility of having someone in office who that's their agenda is really frightening. So we really need to get it together. With LGBTQ teens already four times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers after facing bullying incidents, what advice would you have for these kids, especially in these challenging times? You know, that question is uh, more important than ever because that is exactly what we're seeing. The impact of even just introducing these anti-trans laws. I had someone ask me, you know, it's not that bad, it didn't pass, but at the same time, a, many of them are passing. B, 
just the conversation around it, which is filled with hostility, misinformation, and lies about queer youth especially, it makes climate really, really difficult for them. The best thing I could always say is know that you're not alone. And that's, that's hard, you know, even though obviously with social media, the Internet, and increasing visibility of queer people, even in the face of these attacks, it's hard to not feel alone. You know you're not alone. You're not the only queer person on Earth. But it's also not uncommon to feel isolated. So my advice would be find support, whether you find support online, if you're lucky enough to have supportive family, friends, teachers, schools. You know, find the places where you can be you safely. You know, as a parent of a queer kid (laughs) uh, who just turned 18 recently, the thing that means the most to her and to her friends, frankly, is that she knows she has someone she can talk to, parents and family and friends, who can be supportive. And that's the most important thing in these, you know, as you're absolutely right calling it, incredibly challenging times. How can people get information about the uh, Creating Change Conference? Well, it's very easy to find information about the conference. Just go to www.creatingchange.org. I'd also suggest folks follow the task force on social media because we constantly post updates of new speakers and new programs. uh, And, of course, folks who are presenting are sharing (laughs) the fact that they're coming to Creating Change. So you can find us on Instagram at the task force. Also, we're on Facebook, and for now, we're still on X, uh, and we're also on LinkedIn, which, which frankly, has become a really, really uh, powerful place to share information about the conference. We have all kinds of folks who are, you know, maybe a little bit on the outside of being, like, professional activists and advocates who are very excited to come to Create Change because they can learn so much about uh, so many diverse issues in the community. So I would say go to the website uh, for basic information, schedules, et cetera, and then Go to our social media to really uh, get engaged with the people who are coming. What other projects are you working on? Well, we are very, very focused as we uh, launch Queer the Vote at Creating Change. Um, That is really going to be our primary work. It will have many facets to it, of course, throughout 2024. You know, whether it's doing work at the local level, particularly in Florida where we have an office and where our field team does a tremendous amount of work, or whether it's you know, doing national outreach to get folks uh, engaged, educated, registered to vote, and you know, hopefully uh, working in their own communities to get other folks engaged and uh, registered to vote. To me, that's going to be the biggest thing that we work on next year. Is there a question you wish people would ask you? So I have two. One is about the conference, because I think one of the things about creating change is we have it in a different city every year. You know, and we know it's not inexpensive to get a hotel, to travel, to register, all of that. So people often ask, like, how can I get to create any change if I don't have a lot of resources? And so I want to point folks to our creatingchange.org website where you can find information about financial support. We have a meal plan. And also, if you volunteer, and all we ask are two four-hour shifts, you get full access to the conference with free registration, which is pretty special. I go to a lot of conferences, and if you volunteer, you maybe get some limited access to certain things, like maybe just the plenaries or whatever. That's not how we roll at the task force. If you come and help us make this conference happen, and we need a couple hundred volunteers to make it happen, we will offer free registration. So for those who are, you know, asking about that, we also did a blog post about how to save money and how to, you know, come to the conference 
you know, if you have some financial uh, challenges. So that's probably the biggest question that I get around the conference. Um, in terms of the work, I think people really just want to know, what can I do? How can I make a difference? It all feels so sort of like challenging and almost futile right now, right? People are discouraged. They're angry. They're hurt. They've, we've been through so much trauma and stress with, between COVID and all the attacks on our community and, you know, what's going on in the world, the divisiveness in this country and beyond. It's all very discouraging. So, you know, I would just say find ways that you can get involved that feel substantive to you. And that can be many things. That can be getting yourself and your family registered to vote, your friends. That could be writing a check to an organization that you support. That can be attending some social events, you know, within the queer community to just help bolster the spirits and, you know, foster a sense of community at a time when a lot of us feel disconnected and isolated. So vote. Like, I mean, that's <laughs> if, if you don't vote, you don't get to complain. That's what Judy Shepard always says, and she's absolutely right. To me, at the end of the day, our LGBTQ voters and voting bloc, essentially, can make the difference in so many elections, including the presidential election, says to me that that's where we have to be all in, in 2024. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra to get you through these difficult times? I have so many. Um, you know, again, I know this is going to feel repetitive and thematic, but this year, 2024, is so important. And there's actually a quote from, and we're going back in the Wayback Machine here, it's actually FDR, a quote that I came across not too long ago uh, that Franklin Delano Roosevelt said that really struck me because it has not only stood the test of time, it is really, really pertinent for us right now. Um, and the quote is, never let us forget that government is ourselves and not an alien power over us. The ultimate rulers of our democracy are not a president and senators and congressmen, I say Congress people now, um, and government officials, but the voters of this country. That, to me, just speaks to what 150% of my energy is going to go into in 2024. This is our country. This is our democracy. And we have let gerrymandering and restriction of voters' rights and isolation and marginalization and a thousand things thrown in our way really create a situation where our democracy is very much under threat. And that is a terrifying thought if you actually sit and <laughs> let it sink in. And I think people are starting to do that. And we're going to need some resolve. And I think that resolve is going to come from that quote that says, this is our democracy, nobody else's. And we have not just the right, but the responsibility to not just reclaim it, but claim it. 